Welcome to the Real Estate Syndication Show. Whether you are a seasoned investor or building a new real estate business, this is the show for you. Whitney Sewell talks to top experts in the business. Our goal is to help you master real estate syndication. And now your host, Whitney Sewell. Happening on January 20th and 21st is Denver's biggest real estate event, the next big thing. And it's shaking up how real estate professionals will define business success. This two-day event will give you tools so you can catapult your own business. You'll discuss how the world is changing and what's needed to stay two steps ahead. Together with 450 other professionals, you will build a foundation to become the next big thing. Built on the foundation of helping others build wealth through real estate, the Ruth team has created the ultimate tool that is this event. And it's called The Next Big Thing. 25 speakers, including Ryan Serhant, Kenyon Salo, Nebu Hata, Stacey Veden, Brian Moses, Natalie Davis, and Ryan Avery. Register now at thenextbigthingcolorado.com and use the code RESS to get $150 off. This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Sam Rust. Joining me today is Richard Randall. Richard is the chief executive officer of Navitas Equity Solutions, a sustainable infrastructure investment firm that works with real estate owners to lower their utility expenses and reduce their impact on the environment. Prior to founding Navitas, Richard served as the VP of Asset Management at Cardinal Group Investments, where he actively managed a portfolio uh, in excess of a billion dollars of commercial real estate holdings and has uh, a sorted background from Xavier um, and is a CPA in the state of Colorado. Richard, welcome to the show. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Thanks for having me, and thanks for that uh, that great introduction. Well, uh, you've got a, a storied career already. You know, a lot of folks look at your background, I would imagine, and asset management, VP of asset management for a relatively large investment firm. You and I have known each other actually for a little while now, so I know a little bit more of your background than the intro, but uh, how did you get into real estate and what prompted you to leave Cardinal Group where you're running over a billion dollars, you'd grown with the firm? Give us a little bit of insight on your background. Yeah, sure. So I'm actually a CPA by trade and and work for a large public accounting firm uh, called PwC, and a lot of my clients were real estate investors, and, and I really kind of fell in love with the industry and, and capital raising and, and deals and uh, different funding sources and whatnot, the, the whole capital structure. And I decided I really wanted to be on the investment side of the business. And so I, I made the switch to, to Cardinal Group, which is where I worked for five years. I started out as, a, as an analyst and worked my way up to running the platform. But it really started through kind of on the, I was on the outside looking in with a public accounting firm really wanted to be in the business and made the transition. Learned a lot there. It was a great firm. It grew very, very quickly while I was there. I think I was one of the first 30 or 40 employees. uh, And now they have over 300 in the headquarters office and 2,500 nationally. And and kind of long story short, how I got into this business is I was running this large institutional real estate portfolio. It was one of Cardinal's first funds. It was doing okay, but I was looking for ways to improve the performance and started focusing in on the P&L and, and saw utility expenses as a massive line item. And I didn't know anything about uh, utility, energy efficiency, or infrastructure investments into real assets. $5 million utility expense line across our portfolio. And I thought that 
hey, even if I can cut those expenses by 10% a year, it's a material win for, for the investors and, and a material win for just ongoing cash flow and, and, and exit valuation. And so I, I started with a large deal in Atlanta, hired a couple consultants. They went and did their analysis and their audit. They kind of came back, picked a little bit from each proposal and, and kind of the high level summary. And this is all very long story short. But we identified an opportunity to invest $1.6 million back into this asset to cut expenses by what we thought at the time was $400,000 a year across water, electricity, and the upgrades just high level are HVAC controls, HVAC optimization, water efficiency, lighting, irrigation controllers, kind of the whole gamut. There was you know, eight or nine different things that we did. And in kind of long story short, we made this investment and we started saving a million dollars a year. At a five cap, that's twenty million dollars in exit value, and the deal went from like a nine cash on cash to a twenty-five. It was absolutely insane. Of course, our investors said, "Go do this to everything else we own together," which I did, and and learned a lot about space, and and saw an opportunity to really help other real estate investors do the same thing. And and I also felt like the impact I had on the environment was the most important thing that, that I could have done. And so I really enjoyed real estate investing. I do miss it a lot at times, but I get to work on hundreds of assets a year with all different owners across the space. Saw an opportunity to really create a, a full and turnkey end-to-end energy efficiency solution where we do the audits, the implementation, the ongoing measurement, verification, and even the performance contracting. And it was really just seeing an opportunity through execution. It was very hard for me to do these projects because I had construction managers and different technology providers and different installers and different rebates. And it was incredibly time consuming. And I felt like there was just a way to make it easier and, and, and turnkey for owners. That's, I'll, I'll kind of stop there, Sam. That's the long-winded backstory, you know, very compressed, but there's kind of a lot of history to it. No, I love it. It's a, a classic entrepreneur story. You get into an industry, you learn it backwards and forwards, you find a problem, you solve it. And you're like, what if I could scale the problem solving, essentially, is, is what you're doing. Now, there's a lot of companies out there that offer utility savings. You know, I've seen some water consultants, some electricity consultants. You started off working with some of those consultants. What makes Navitas different than other companies, consultants in the space? What sets you guys apart? So I think one, you know, we have the real estate owner mindset. And so my, my business partner, Jason, and I, he ran acquisitions at Cardinal. I ran asset management. So we're kind of the one-two punch there. So we have that ownership mindset. I think we're really able to communicate well with owners, help them understand the value proposition. But the biggest thing is that we do the full, like whatever is possible. Like and anything that we think would make, make sense for an asset that we owned or used to own, Cardinal Group is how we how we approach this. And so there's a lot of lighting companies or thermostat companies or irrigation companies or, or whatever. I and mean, they're all great, but they're kind of selling their individual solutions in a vacuum. Where we come and we say, well, we know all the, the players in the space and we know what's possible and what's going to make the most sense. And we don't look at everything through the same lens. And so if you're a, a lighting company, it's kind of like if you're a hammer, everything's a nail. You know, we kind of look at it and say, there's different solutions for every asset and it depends on vintage, location, HVAC equipment. We're not married to anything. We're, we're able to kind of proposed solutions that we think make the most sense. Oh, that, that makes a ton of sense. And you guys working with real estate owners, reducing utility expenses, 
But there's a lot of different lease models out there. And the one that maybe folks are the most familiar with is the, the rub system, that utility bill back where you're, you're trying to ratio out your utility bills. Full disclosure, LifeBridge Capital works with Navitas on several of our assets. We've loved the results so far. But maybe talk about how you guys are proposing to owners about changing their lease structure to take advantage of these benefits more fully. And we work across a lot of different asset classes, but you're right in kind of multifamily market rate, not on uh, kind of deed restricted, affordable and student housing and senior, but call it workforce housing and, and market rate multifamily. In, in most markets or in a lot of markets, the utilities are a large portion of them is passed through to tenants on just a percentage basis. I think in Texas, the, the cap is like 75% if there's irrigation that's not separately metered or whatnot. There's kind of a, a large range of ways that an owner can capture the value. And I'll start with like the most conservative, easiest to do all the way to the most work, but it's not that much work and kind of the least conservative. Most conservative is you just say, if I can cut their utility expenses, which sometimes is $100 a month, and you're looking at rents that are seven, $800 a month, that's a huge portion of their overall cost of living. If I can cut that in half, then I can get bigger rent bumps in the future because my residents, you know, have more room to pay me more money. And, and we know, especially in workforce housing, a lot of these renters are totally maxed out. And I think that there is, if you reduce their ongoing expenses, it gives you more flexibility to push rents higher and get closer to an overall percentage of their gross income. Well, on the other side of the spectrum, we propose that a lot of our owners do a flat rate utility fee. And, and you have to be careful about what you call it based on state regulations. But, um, you know, we like to call it an amenity fee. And we say it includes access to the amenities, common area utilities, parking, trash, like bed pest control, all the things that you might already include for free are wrapped up in other charges. Consolidate them into an amenity fee. And let's say that's $100 per month is what the average utility usage was. Lock that in on the rent roll so you can get rid of conservice and any sort of rub system. And then you go in and you reduce your utility expenses by 30, 40, 50%, depending on what the opportunity set is. And that arbitrage you know, let's say you have 100 units and you just say, just created $50 a month in income, that's a huge increase in your in your exit cap and ongoing cash flow. And, and with where deals are trading right now, it, it makes a lot of sense. I think one reason why I really like that strategy the most is it's a win for the, the property owner. So you have more cash flow and, you're, and you're, your asset's worth more. Uh, it's a win for the tenant because they know what their monthly expenses to live somewhere are going to be. And they're not, you know, used to the up, you know, the, the ups and downs and whatnot of, of fluctuating utility expenses in the summer. There's a bunch of irrigation. There's a leak. People are getting unexpectedly high bills. And, and I think it's really also a win for the on-site property management team. I think any property manager in the country that's on rubs tell you stories that when there's a high water bill that comes through or a high common area electric bill or something like that or a gas bill, and people aren't expecting it. You know, tenants coming in complaining, it's a huge headache. And I think on the leasing side as well, it's a competitive advantage to say, we have a fixed rate fee. You pay $1,000 a month and that's everything. Across the street, $1,000 a month plus you're going to get hit with this fluctuating rubs bill and you don't know what it is and you can't control it. Your neighbor's using a bunch of water and you're not, like you're going to pay for their water bill or whatnot. So those are kind of like the two ends of the spectrum. And then there's there's some little nuances in between that I think are also options, but I, I really like kind of the most aggressive option. And, and that's what we did at Cardinal. We, you know, all of our multifamily, we converted the flat rate. You have to be careful about what's legal uh, locally, but there's always kind of a way through that with good lease attorney. I appreciate you going into some detail on that, Richard. And, and for our audience's benefit, we've looked at both those options and we opted to go the more aggressive route on a, a two properties in particular. It's been surprising to me 
how big of an advantage it has been on the leasing side. You kind of alluded to that, Richard, but a lot of the tenants that we have that are out in the market looking for a place to live are really attracted to that flat rate rent. They don't want the surprises. They don't want two bills a month. It just is one bill that comes very predictable. They can build a budget around it. And like you said, in today's market, rental rates have pushed, You know, I think the national average is over 15% almost across the country year over year. People are at the limit of what they can pay. And so building some certainty into their housing budget is really, really helpful and has been a competitive advantage for us. Not to mention that's the best way to achieve the most value for your investors on the backside. Yeah, absolutely. I kind of look at it and say, why would you just pass costs through? Find a way to turn that into a profit center. And, and that's great, Sam, that it's worked so well for you. Um, and I think that you know that's another area what really sets us apart. We can advise our clients through those things where a irrigation company or a lighting company like cities just can't. I would imagine that there's a, a broad spectrum of properties that you get asked to come on and audit and see if there's possible utility savings. You know, a lot of our properties are in the 70s, vintage, you know, a little bit older. Usually uh, there's a lot of room for improvement. Where do you find that this strategy is the most effective, both in like geography as well as type of asset? We work in, in a bunch of different asset classes, not just multifamily. So we do a lot in student housing, hospitality, office, senior, you know, industrial. So we, we work across all, anything that uses utilities, we'll work on. We don't do any single family residential. It's, it's just kind of too small for our business model, but really anything large uh, and commercial that uses utilities. From a geography standpoint, the best opportunities are in the areas with the lowest cap rates and the highest utility expenses, which tends to be the coast or areas where uh, like water, for example, is scarce. So in Colorado, Sam, like that's why it works so well in the spring is because uh, cost of water is very expensive. It's scarce. And the, the city is trying to encourage people to use less of it. So they push pricing significantly. It seems like cap rates are low everywhere these days, but coastal California, eastern seaboard, you have very high utility expenses and very, very low cap rates. And so the arbitrage of what's possible is the largest in those areas. In terms of asset class, you know, we like to say that our strike zone is, is somewhere like mid-60s to like 2016 or, or so. Um, we, obviously, we work on newer assets and we work on older assets. But that's kind of a good sweet spot between kind of what's, you know, is the building compatible with modern fixtures? If it's older than that, there's a good chance that there's a lot of incremental costs that are incurred to install new technology. New technology isn't being uh, designed for the building stock that was built kind of pre-60s. And uh, if it's very, very new, there's a lot of local code that's required on development that takes out some of the opportunity. But there still is opportunity even on brand new lead platinum assets. And we've worked on some, some like that. That's fascinating. So a lot of folks that are listening to this podcast have executed on deals and maybe they've gone through the agency debt route. They're familiar with a green program. Can you guys help facilitate a green program? Do you guys, is your scope broader, narrower? Compare and contrast that if you could, because I know our audience has some familiarity with that. So a lot of our clients, it seems like the, the green program has slowed down some, but a lot of our clients did refinancings or new acquisitions with green loans. And they, they, they ask us to come in and implement the work, which we're happy to do. And we, we do a fair amount of that. We're not 
always looking at exactly the same things as the green program is. And a lot of it is shifted because they want to save in-unit electricity, which in most multifamily is separately metered in the tenant's name. And so the owner of the real estate sees no savings and it's, it's not on the P&L. But we do a lot of green loan work and it's mostly just satisfying the lender requirements. And then we'll layer up, we call it our green up plus. We'll do the green up work and then we'll add in the other things that we think are going to make sense that we'd install if the building didn't have a green loan in place. Makes sense. And you've mentioned several times different technologies that you employ, that you're not trying to turn every problem into a nail with a specific, whether it's LED or you know replacing toilets. I know those are two big items, but what other technologies are you guys using to help achieve these cost savings? So we do a lot with HVAC and, and HVAC by, by far consumes the most electricity and natural gas and, and kind of multifamily and niche multifamily, central plant type systems where you've got boilers that are supplying domestic hot water and heat for, for all the buildings. And so there's a lot you can do to improve the efficiency of the HVAC systems. We, we do a lot with water in multifamilies, shower heads, faucets toilets, smart irrigation controls. There's actually a lot of opportunity we see in just repairing irrigation systems that are leaking. You know, usually those that are running early in the morning and no one's around and they're just spraying water like crazy. And um, we see a lot of opportunity in just repairing leak. Lighting, as you mentioned, is a really big one. Other water usage would be like washing machines, dishwashers, things like that. They don't usually have like great returns on invested capital because the capital cost is very high, but we, we look at all that stuff. And, and I kind of like to say that, that buildings use utility. They're more similar than they're different. And so they use utilities in, in similar ways. And it's really HVAC, heating, ventilation, uh, air conditioning, water usage, and, and lighting. So those are like the primary uses. Makes a ton of sense. Generally, I, I know you guys offer a couple of different ways of working with Navitas. There's uh, the option where you obviously pay up front. But if you could elaborate a little bit on the multiple paths that you give owners to achieve these savings. This actually is something I should have mentioned really sets us apart and makes us different. We offer a performance contracting model where we'll front the capital, 100% of the cost, and we'll take a percentage of the savings over a period of time. That percentage depends on the underlying project returns and whatnot, and so it's impossible for me to quote what that is, but but it's typically 60% of the savings for five years. And we offer that on, on like a shared savings contract. And so there's no liens, no UCC filings. It doesn't do anything to cloud title. And, and we kind of do our own credit work and diligence around that. And primary method of business is niche specialty contractor advisor where we'll do the audit, the implementation, the ongoing kind of cost avoidance reporting and, and active energy management. But then for our clients that want to leverage our financing and, and maybe the joint venture doesn't have capital sitting in reserves, or maybe there's no appetite for a capital call, there's no refinance coming up, but you still want to get the uh, infrastructure installed and, and participate in the savings, uh, we'll front the capital and take a piece of the savings over a period of time. And what we like to say is every project we put out there, we propose financing. And so we're prepared to put our money where our mouth is. And I think that's how our clients can really trust our underwriting and what the results will be. Because if we're asked to finance it, uh, and it doesn't perform like that's that's on us. Yeah, so you're basically offering unsecured debt to finance it that's paid off out of the utility savings. So it's possible for owners to achieve really meaningful savings in a pretty short order without any cash out of pocket. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we actually have an owner right now of a hotel who's saving like $10,000 a month with no money out of pocket. We funded the entire thing and uh, it's been a total home run. Yeah, well, and yeah, you start 
dividing by the cap rate. And it's like, that's a lot of value that gets driven to the bottom line, not just the cash flow. Um, although that's certainly meaningful as well. So uh, Richard, what's the process if a real estate owner wants to work with Navitas? What, how do you guys get started? What does that look like? And how do they get comfortable with the overall proposal? So we like to start with what we call our desktop audit. We're with some basic information about the property, like vintage, unit mix, location, uh, certain other information about the asset. We can give an owner a very high-level idea of what we think the opportunity set looks like. And if they're interested, which they usually are, we'll do a site visit to confirm our assumptions. And then we'll also collect historical utility bills and build a detailed energy model and put an audit together. We do the initial underwrite for free for owners. And when we actually do our site visit, what we do is we charge a $5,000 deposit towards the future project. And so we sign an engagement letter after an owner you know, thinks that there's going to be a good opportunity. We'll go to our site visit. We'll collect 12 months worth of utility bills. We'll put together a detailed energy model. And then we'll put a final proposal, um, one that we'd invest behind in front of that owner. And if they move forward with it, that deposit goes towards the project. And so let's say it's a $100,000 project. Uh, they pay us 95000 once we go in and implement it. reason for doing that is there's obviously a lot of work that goes into these detailed energy audits, travel, costs that we incur. But, but we, you know, we, we like to use it as a deposit towards the future project because we're not after those consulting fees like a typical energy consultant is, which would be another kind of tangential competitor to Navitas, but they're not going to help with the implementation or technology selection, they'll kind of just come sell you a report. You know, we like to partner with our clients, not extract fees, really. That's like something that's really important to us. And I think kind of speaks to our background as real estate owners. Yeah, you guys have really designed a program that it's speaking from an owner's perspective was really easy to evaluate. And the cost benefit analysis is really quite simple and very obvious. So it really moves the needle. So long term, what's the plan for Navitas? You guys just started out almost two years ago. You guys have scaled very quickly. What's the next five years hold for you? We have grown very quickly. Um, yeah, at this point, we have 11 employees. We've done business in 20 states or so uh, based in Denver. So we're really into the energy savings and like the impact that we have on our environment. We obviously really love the cost savings and driving value for our clients in that way. But we're very mission-driven in that, in that we love the kind of the end results. We're obviously dealing with some issues in the West in particular right now. And if we can help with that, we're certainly excited. You know, the long-term goal is really to be preferred partner for the institutional real estate space with any sort of energy infrastructure upgrades and utility savings. And, and when you think of utilities, we want you to think of, of Navitas. And I would say, you know, what we've been talking about lately is I don't know if you're familiar with Ryan Tax, but we want to be the, the Ryan Tax of utilities is really what we're trying to do. And, and I think we're well on our way to doing that. We work, you know, we work with a lot of large institutional owners and a lot of smaller owners as well. And yeah, we're having a lot of success. But the, the goal is to you know, work, on, work with every large uh, owner that's doing interesting things and to help them uh, reduce their impact on the environment and save money. Fantastic. Well, as we're getting close to wrapping up here, Richard, could you share with our audience the the number one thing that's contributed to your success? I think for me, it's just being very curious and having a desire to learn and be creative. You know, I was always willing as an asset manager, which is how this whole thing was discovered, to really think outside the box and push the envelope and uh, not accept the industry standard. That's always something that's just, you know, when I, when I was little, I'd always say, why, 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 you know, and, and that's just, that's just kind of how I operate. I think that's really contributed my, to my success is kind of being willing to do something that the rest of the group isn't. If, if we have our way, there will be no more rubs and service will be out of business 
and everyone will be on flat rate and be using the minimal amount of utilities as possible. Awesome. I love that. Be curious. So important if you want to grow throughout your career. Uh, Richard, if folks want to get in touch with you, how can they find you? My email address is richard at navitasequitysolutions.com. That's N-A-V-I-T-A-S equity solutions.com or they can call my cell phone at 303-653-5820. And and Sam, I'll say by the time this podcast launches, we'll likely be rebranded to Echelon Energy. We are changing our name and going through a rebrand. You know, we we needed something a little more interesting. We'll probably be Echelon Energy and it'll just be Richard at Echelon Energy dot com, but my old email address should still work. Fantastic. Well, Richard, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. You drove a lot of value for our listeners. Thank you to our listeners for joining us on another episode of the Real Estate Syndication Show. Have a great rest of your day. Thank you for listening to the Real Estate Syndication Show, brought to you by LifeBridge Capital. LifeBridge Capital works with investors nationwide to invest in real estate while also donating 50% of its profits to assist parents who are committing to adoption. LifeBridge Capital, making a difference, one investor and one child at a time. Connect online at www.lifebridgecapital.com for free material and videos to further your success.